Welcome to Expanding Your Faith with Bishop Gregory Godsey and Father Matthew Schnabel. Expanding Your Faith looks at modern faith and spirituality questions, as well as conducts interviews with movers and shakers in different and varied faith traditions. Our broadcast is brought to you by the hardworking staff at the Office of Communications and Media Relations in the Old Catholic Churches International. Stay tuned as we work on expanding your faith. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Expanding Your Faith. I'm Bishop Greg, and joining me tonight is Father Matt. Hello. <clears throat> Our topic tonight, we're going to start off uh, kind of in one direction, may end up somewhere entirely different, um, but we're going to kind of start with some things you may not know about Catholicism and kind of talk about a few things and then um, understanding and living out your Catholic faith and then uh, maybe there'll be some questions from the studio audience that will kind of guide us a little bit as well. I apologize for my raspy voice tonight. I'm still trying to get over a cold and my voice is still not a hundred percent so um, bear with me here as we try to make this happen anyway. So, um, one of the things uh, that a lot of people, I want to start with something we talked about a little bit last night on our live, and that is confession. I think confession is one of the biggest things people don't understand in Catholicism, and it causes the greatest amount of consternation amongst people, is what is confession, and do I have to go... How often do I have to go? What do I have to say? Do I really need to tell the priest everything I did? Um, so I kind of want to start there and kind of move out from that point. So the sacrament of confession is actually something biblical. A lot of people don't realize that in the book of James, James says, confess your sins one to another. Uh, it's not a request. It's actually him saying you you need to do this. This is what you got to do. It's confess your sins one to another. And then in the Gospels, Jesus gives Saint Peter and the other apostles the keys to the kingdom. That's what we like to call it. He says, you know, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven, and whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And for a lot of people, they don't understand that concept. They don't understand that what he is saying to Peter is that he's giving him the control over what sins are going to be bound to a person, what sins are going to be released to, to, from them. And so, confession is kind of a cathartic process. It's a process whereby not only can we have the burden of the sins that we carry with us released from us, but it's also an opportunity to talk with the clergy about these things that, you know, I'm struggling with in my in my life, struggling with 
in my spiritual walk. Things that I think that I need to work on and do better. And so, it's kind of like a spiritual counseling session that we can go through. Okay? And is it required? Well, James makes it seem like it's required. You know, he's not saying, oh, if you feel like it, go confess your sins one to another. Um, he's kind of making it a declaration. Go, do this. And the early church felt so strongly about it that in the early church, you didn't go privately to the priest and confess your sins. You stood in front of the entire church and confessed your sins. So let's say that John is sleeping with Mary, but married to Joanne, and all three of them go to church. And John has to get up in front of the church and confess. He's sleeping with Mary while married to Joanne. That's rather awkward. And I can imagine that in the early church there were some situations like that where uh, it caused fights, caused dissension. In fact, we learn of it, of one such fight in Corinthians, because uh, in the church of Corinth, somebody got up and confessed that they were having sexual relations with their father. And word got back to Paul because the leaders of the church of Corinth said, what do we do about this? And Paul is like, are you all nuts? How, how is this happening in your church? You know, this should not be happening. Paul kind of goes off on them. So, at some point in the early years of the church, confession began being done in private to protect those who might be uh, otherwise incriminated by a public declaration of sin. But remember, like I said, confession is, is more about the spiritual guidance you get versus confessing all of your sins. I'll be honest, as a, as a bishop in the old Catholic Church, I don't want to sit and listen to every sin you've ever committed. No, thank you. I would rather you come in and say something like, I have committed sins in the past week and I am truly sorry and do your act of contrition. I don't need to know what you did. God already knows what you did. I don't need to know. And enumerating each one of those sins is just kind of a waste of time and energy. And don't come to me and tell me you've you've had this many mortal sins and this many venial sins and yada 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 yada. I don't care. Just tell me you sinned. 
And be done with it. And be done with it. That is what is most important. Is that you receive the grace of forgiveness. Not from me. Not from my fellow clergy. From God. You are being forgiven by God. So take the opportunity to come to confession and receive absolution and receive spiritual guidance so that you may live your life to the fullest, full of grace, love, and compassion. Period. Confession is free. Doesn't cost you anything. Okay. So another thing that I constantly um, I constantly get asked um, by people about Catholicism is about statues and praying to the saints. There seems to be this uh, misconception, this, uh, not necessarily misconception, but this falsehood that's out there that, that Catholics pray to statues and worship idols and uh, graven images and all this stuff. Now we pray to them. Okay. Well, unfortunately, uh, that is a misconception. We don't worship idols. Statues and images of the saints are hung in our churches. Just like you hang pictures of your loved ones in your home. Do you worship those images of your loved ones? Do you bow down to them and pray to them? Of course not. Well, for us, the saints and all of those who've gone before us are our family. We honor them by hanging their images up and we remember the, the heroic virtue, the heroic faith they had. That they lived their lives in a way worthy of the gospel of Christ to inspire us to do better. Well, most Christians to do better. Other Christians look at them and laugh and say, Oh, watch, I can be the worst person in the world, the exact opposite of you. Let me just show you how. And then they typically come on TikTok and, and show the world how they are the exact opposite of the saints. But, that being said, it is to inspire us to do better, to live like them, to follow their example. 
We don't pray to them. We ask the saints to pray for us. Just like you go to your friends and your family and you ask them, hey, I lost my job. Can you pray I find a new one? Or uh, my car broke down and I don't have the money to fix it. Can you pray that God provide for me? Well, Catholics and Orthodox <laughs> go to the saints and ask them to pray for us. And we say, Mary, could you ask your son Jesus? I, I really need some help because I lost my job. You know? That's the whole point of praying to praying and asking the saints to pray for us is that they can intercede for us just like your friends here on earth can intercede for you. Paul says that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on towards our goal of the high calling of Christ Jesus. That cloud of witnesses is not the saints that are alive with us today on earth. The saints who passed on, who are still very much a part of our lives, very much cheering us on, and very much able to intercede for us. We don't use them as a stepping stone between us and Jesus. We use them to pray for us through Jesus. Just like we ask our friends here on earth to pray for us. Does that make sense? By the way, if you have any questions as I go along, please feel free to put them in the window. Does the saints listen to those who believe in other, another form of religion? Of course. The saints in heaven who have gone beyond us listen to everyone who asks for their help. That they pray for them. They most certainly do. <laughs> so, um, anybody can ask a saint to intercede for them. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question. Thank you, Norris. What are some other things, Father Matt, that you think people don't quite understand about Catholicism? as Father Matt thinks about it here. I think communion's a sticky widget for a lot of people, too. Is it a memorial, or is it actually Jesus? That's a good question. Corpus Christi is one of my favorite uh, feast days, by the way, um, which is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, the feast of the body and blood of Christ which um, we believe that communion, the Eucharist, that the host becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, and the wine becomes body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. And you say, but it still looks like bread. It still tastes like bread. Well, that's what we call the accidentals, the form. Its breadness remains bread. It tastes like bread. It looks like bread. It smells like bread. But it is still body, blood, soul, and divinity, Jesus Christ. 
The accidentals remain the same. But that which makes it holy, that's which makes it spiritual, changes to be the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. Same with the wine. So if you were to run a, 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 a chemical composition test on it, it would still come up as bread. Yes, host is the little wafer, the little cracker thing that we eat. Um, and the wine would still come back as wine. But that that is beyond it, the spiritual essence of it, is the body, blood, soul, divinity of Christ. And when we receive it, we are receiving Christ, body, blood, soul, divinity into ourselves. So that we may take that grace out into the world and be Christ to the world around us. Yes. And so it imparts great grace. That's why many old Catholics do not deny anyone the sacraments. It is because of the great amount of grace received in the sacraments. That grace can change a human from being someone horrible to being someone worthy of God. What is a sacrament? A sacrament is um, Eucharist, communion, confession, baptism, marriage, confirmation, holy orders, last rites. Uh, I think I hit them all. Um, there's seven of them. So... Um, those are sacraments. Not to be confused with sacramentals. Sacramentals are holy water and scapulars and rosaries and sacrament. Yeah, sacramentals are objects that are used in ritual. Sacraments are the actual ritual or rite themselves. Okay. Uh, I've answered that question several times on the podcast, but I'll give a quick and dirty answer. I know a lot of me and others want to know, when did Old Catholics form and why? So the Old Catholic Church started in 1122 AD. The Roman Catholic Church broke away from us. Uh, they broke away because they were given a chance. The Roman Catholic Church was given a chance to have a unified Catholic Church and lose the Papal States to the Roman Empire. Or keep the Papal States and all their power and money and prestige and separate the church. And the Roman church decided, well, we'll separate the church. We'll separate from the old Catholics and let them be separate and still be Catholic so that we can keep our power and our money and our Papal States and everything else. So it was greed. Greed and ego is why they separated. And the old Catholics continued to march on um, to the call of true Catholicism. Yeah.
Oh, my Lord. So um, that's essentially what happened. And we've continued to grow and expand since then as old Catholics. Uh, Diamond says, I asked you this before, but how come uh, Roman Catholics do not want women to be priests? So the Roman Church believes in this doctrine called Impersona Christe, which is Latin, and it means in the person of Christ. And they believe that when a priest or a bishop or the pope or anybody in the clergy stands at the altar, stands before the faithful, they are operating in persona Christe, in the person of Christ. And you cannot operate in the person of Christ in their philosophy, in their theology, if you don't have a dingling between your legs. <laughs> and so... For many years, uh, eunuchs were not allowed to be priests. Uh, anybody with a disability at all was not allowed to be a priest because they could not be in persona Christe and be imperfect. You know, so if they were blind, they couldn't be a priest. If they were deaf, they couldn't be a priest. If they had a shriveled up hand, they couldn't be a priest. If they walked with a limp, they couldn't be a priest all because they could not be in persona Christe. And so that still applies to women in the Roman Catholic Church today because they are considered imperfect because they do not have male genitalia. And so um, only a male can be in persona Christe. Now, we believe in the old Catholic Church Number one, Jesus had women who were apostles and disciples. Women were the first to declare Jesus had rose from the dead. They were the first evangelists. Uh, there were female deacons and priests in the first centuries of the church. We believe that anybody can operate as clergy because it does not matter what you have between your legs. But it matters your integrity, it matters your spirituality, your education, and your ability to serve others that is most important. Sadly, the Roman Church does not see it that way. They only see it as, if you are not uh, a man, you can't be a priest. So, that is the answer to that question. It's a good question, Diamond. Very good question. Why do nuns have to wear those things on their heads? The habit? The habit uh, and veil. Most nuns nowadays don't wear them. Not in the United States, at least. I know nuns in other countries do, but not in the United States. Unless you're on EWTN. Unless you're on EWTN, yes. Um, it is to show that they are set apart, that they are nuns. They are dedicated to God. It, this is what's funny to me. So many Americans throw a fit about women wearing the hijab, which is, you know, the head covering most typically associated 
with the Muslim religion, although Hindu women wear them too. And um, Oriental Orthodox churches do. Oriental Orthodox women wear them. But anyway, um, they have a problem with that. They do not have a problem with a nun wearing a head covering. And I don't get that. What does hair have to do with God? Well, nothing. Except for the fact that there's been this long tradition dating all the way back into Judaism that women, when they were in holy places, covered their head. And men covered their head during prayer. But the rest of the time, their heads could be uncovered. So, it's a, it's a leftover of a patriarchal system. Um, where women would cover themselves, number one, to not bring uh, ill repute to their husbands or men in the church by having them think about them in a manner inappropriate during Mass or during a church service, and two, to show submission and obedience to God. So there you go. That's a good question. Very good question. So part of living out the Catholic faith is not as much about um, doing outlandish things. You know, a lot of people, you see them around Ash Wednesday. They got their smudges on their forehead you know, a lot of people equate Catholicism to the outward practice of faith. The early church fathers actually decried that kind of thing. They were like, if you, um, if you go and you receive ashes, you should wash them off after Mass. So that people can't see that you are in a penitential state. Jesus says, when you fast... You know, style your hair, clean yourself up, wear fresh clothing so that no one but your Father in Heaven knows you're fasting. So, so many Catholics and so many Christians have forgotten this message. Catholicism is more about internal work, internal growth, internal life, internal spirituality, not the external of that. You don't want people to know you're fasting. You don't want people to know you went to Mass five days this week. You don't want them to know all of that. You want them to see what you do, how you treat others, how you live your life, and want to be like you. That's what's most important. And so many people have forgotten that over the years. Understanding our Catholic faith and living it out is very simple, actually. Go to Mass. Read Scripture. Pray that God help you apply those Scriptures in your life. Pray that God help you to love your neighbor as yourself and to love God with all of your being. 
That's what's most important in Catholicism and should be most important in all of Christianity. But sadly, we have so many Christians who cannot handle that. And I also would like to point out and take a second that the faith isn't always about proselytizing people to conversion and pressuring people to conversion. The, a lot the church fathers and the apostles wrote that, yes, we should welcome people who are wanting to and seeking out the faith. But very rarely do you hear them say anything about going and actually browbeating people and pressuring them to conversion. That's right. They just tell you to tell the story. They don't mm -hmm. tell you to say, this is the only true path to God. So I think that's where a lot of, a lot of us get a bad rap is because mm -hmm. they automatically associate us with the people that are standing at the street corners saying, repent now, believe in Jesus, or you're not going to be, be around. You're not going to be in heaven. So. As we wrap up this podcast, because we're, we're hitting that time mark now, Oops. I want to uh, encourage you also to go and watch a video on YouTube called Your God by Rudy Francesco. It is so important because it explains some of this internal versus external religiosity. Again, that's Your God by Rudy Francesco. Go look it up on YouTube. It's well worth it. Well, folks, that brings us to the end of another exciting episode of Expanding Your Faith. We'll be back here next Saturday with our next exciting adventure. Um, so I hope that you'll come and join us again when we once again attempt to expand your faith. Keep shining bright, my friends. <laughs>